Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, December 29th is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and every now and again, what kind of joints you can find at those dispensaries, if that's your preference. And so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Hey, you want to help out the Ben Jarofsky show? Real simple. Just go to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Trusky here. We're calling this the cult of capitalism Thursday, and here's why. I'll tell you why. I got capitalism on my mind, ladies and gentlemen. It's been on my mind ever since I came to Cali, in part because of the alliteration, capitalism Cali, uh, and COVID. Whoa, got COVID in Cali, and I'm thinking of capitalism. Uh, but really, there's no correlation between Cali and capitalism and COVID, other than, as I've said, uh, I have been binging a lot. Because while I get over COVID, I just sit there and mindlessly stare at the TV. But I'm actually absorbing things. I have now seen twice. That's right. Once, twice. Uh, the Glass Onion, which has been the most popular movie in America uh, right now. And that this is that the whodunit movie, like an Agatha Christie, Agatha, well, that's hard to say, Christie uh, murder mystery. Uh, the, the sequel to Knives Out, where they figure out who did what. But in reality, it's a satire, totally assailing and assaulting our love, our adoration for wealth in our country, our adoration and a belief in people who are rich. Like if they're rich, there must be something virtuous about them. There must be something I can learn from them. There must be something that they're doing absolutely right. It can't be wrong if they're rich. That's such an American attitude. And my father used to always tell me when... Uh, <laughs> This is something my father used to tell me when I was a kid. If you know so much, I was like eight years old and I would stun him with, I question something he'd said and you'd go, if you know so much, how come you're not rich? And that would like, that 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 gave me pause for like 10 years. And then, um, then all of a sudden I thought of a comeback, which is <laughs> if, you, if you're rich, how come you don't know anything? There you go. There you go. Think about that one for a while. But this country's got this obsession with wealth. And in The Glass Onion, the movie uh, that satirizes Elon Musk, the character uh, played by Edward Norton, is the villain. And he's everything that Elon Musk is. He's just full of himself. He concocted this whole, what, philosophy, worldview to justify just taking as much money as he can, depriving others to feed himself, destroying things of value in order to make himself even richer. And whenever he gives his cockamamie rigmarole explanation for why he's doing what he's doing. America is sneering and booing him. This movie's the most popular movie in, it, right now in America. You can see it on Netflix. Here, I'm doing a promotion for you, Netflix. And I'm like, have we turned a corner? Like, I remember the first time I heard of Elon Musk, and it was when Rahm Emanuel, remember that era in Chicago politics, Chicago? No, 
you dummies elected him not once but twice. So you're probably trying to forget that you did it or pretend that somebody else did it. That's a classic Chicago thing. I didn't really vote for him, Ben. Oh, really? If you didn't vote for him, who did? Oh, my neighbor did. Nobody wants to admit they voted for Rahm Emanuel anymore. That is hilarious. Anyway, at some point, Rahm Emanuel thought it would be a good idea to have a train. I'm making this up, people. It's going to spend your public dollars on a train that went under the ground. like They call it the bullet train because it traveled at the speed of a bullet. From the center of the city to O'Hare. Fast service from Chicago to O'Hare. Never mind that there was already an existing route. <laughs> I don't think Rom knew what was going on in the city of Chicago. You know, he's not from Chicago. He probably did not know the blue line existed. And somebody, everyone all too afraid to tell him, uh, bust, you realize we already have a train that goes from the center of the city to nowhere? They were so afraid of Rahm would yell at him. So he proposed that uh, he would have this bullet train that go to O'Hare, and he brought in Elon Musk. And Elon Musk was going to be the guy who designed it. And Rom figured Chicagoans, they were so dumb that they elected him. They were probably so double dumb they would be impressed that he's friends with Elon Musk. That's how the low estimation Rom had of you, Chicago, and you elected him again. Do you know what he said about you when you weren't around Chicago? What a bunch of dummies. Can you believe they fell for it? Anyway, uh, that's the first time I really heard of Elon Musk. So I read about him like, why would we turn over such a crucial like chunk of land to this? <laughs> Dude made a fortune off electric motors, and now he's joined forces with MAGA, which, which is a entity, a philosophical entity, if you will, that denies the existence of climate change. This is how dumb this guy is in his own weird way. You know, I mean, it's because of liberals that he made his fortune of electric cars, and he's joined forces with the very movement that was to destroy the subsidies for the industry that has made him a fortune while he's destroying Twitter, of course. So I've come to really know a lot about Elon Musk since the day when Rahm introduced me. Thanks again, Mayor Rahm, for introducing me to Elon Musk. Not literally, ladies. They wouldn't waste their time having me come over for dinner, but they're like, that's how I found out about Elon Musk. So that's when I really became aware. I think I always knew this. We have this obsession with wealth. We put people in prominence of it like this. We give him such like, stature. Oh, he's rich. He must be Steve Jobs, man. Dude, this blew my mind. When Steve Jobs, the inventor of the iPhone, not the inventor, uh, made a fortune off of Apple when he died, people would be like lighting candles. I'm like, why are you lighting candles for this guy? You know what I'm saying? Like, what? He, he was a salesman. Like, when Ray Kroc died, did you like candles for Ray Kroc? Ray Kroc was the guy who created McDonald's. Ray Kroc, I would argue, is probably a more successful salesman than Steve Jobs. Nobody wrote, lit candles for him when he died. How many hamburgers he sold to Americans? Not even tasty hamburger, in my humble opinion. He got Americans to eat bad-tasting, bad-for-you hamburgers by the gazillions. Nobody lit candles for him. Obsession with Steve Jobs, obsession with Elon Musk, Elizabeth Holmes, who talked about her, the obsession with anyone who's rich. But now the number one movie in America denounces him. It's like, have we turned a corner in this country? Is this good news to close out 2022 as we head into 2023? My distinguished guest today, she's got uh, she's part of a lawsuit that's challenging corporate America in her own way. Class action suit. Maybe she has some thoughts about this. Have we changed a corner? I know if you get 12 jurors, just 12 ordinary human beings, put them on a jury and expose them to the greed of corporate America. 
generally have hope. You have a good lawyer. You got to have a good lawyer. You got to have somebody who could sell that case, that jury. You can get 12 Americans, even if they have, like, away from that court, away from those facts, they have, like, an adoration for Trump. Think about Trump got elected because he was rich. So many people was a businessman, made all that money, must know how to run a country. What would make you think that one equates with the other? <laughs> what evidence do you have that of being good at making money is, like, the same as running a government with compassion? And since I, I've seen no evidence of that in my life, and I've lived a long time. Maybe my distinguished guest can counter me with an example. I doubt it. So anyway, I'm thinking maybe we change a corner. The total breakdown, speaking of class action lawsuits or plaintiff lawsuits that are about to happen, of Southwest Airlines, which I've been following from afar. Did not talk about this with my distinguished guest before we went on the air, but I've been following this from afar, distinguished guest, from my sanctuary here in Cali where I have the COVID. I've been following this. And now it's all of a sudden like the whole thing is falling apart because the company, as I understand it, the basic point is they took the money that they got from the feds. They took the money that they got from passengers. And instead of investing it in their company to improve their product and making it a stronger, safer, smarter co company, they put it in their own freaking pockets. <laughs> and now the company falls apart. One blizzard. They act like it's such a big deal. Hello, Southwest Airlines. We live in Chicago. We get blizzards, I don't know, once a year. One blizzard's going to shut down Midway Airport because you don't have your act together? You know, you haven't figured out, I don't know, how to get an airplane from one city to another city? Your computer system is so bad you can't even contact your pilots, your flight attendants. You don't even know where they are. They're calling into the company. The pilots are, I'm in Sacramento. Where Do you need me? <laughs> Nobody's answering. The pilots can't get through. And yet this company got money from the feds, man, from the COVID relief. I just like, I hope and we're turning the corner on this stuff, this obsession. We've gone too far, ladies and gentlemen, my humble opinion, this worship of wealth. I think we've gone too far. Look, I want to, I don't want to be poor. Don't get me wrong. Okay. I want to find things in life. My distinguished guest can see how I'm dressed. She knows. Oh, I, you can see he spends it on clothes. <laughs> he doesn't spend it on clothes. It's true. I don't spend it on clothes, but you know, I like to go to bulls games. I've got like 12 bulls hats, you know, I got like four pairs of shoes. I like to, you know, I like to go to movies, white Sox games, eat out. So, you know, I don't want to be impoverished, but I don't know. There's like a, it's gotta be a middle ground between, you know, enjoying a bulls game every now and then and like having a private jet. Anyway, I'm here's hoping that 2023 is the year we get, get beyond this cult of capitals. All right, without further ado, I'm going to close off my opening comments and bring on my distinguished guest. And what a great friend of the show she has been all year. The great attorney, April Prayer, uh, who is known for the immortal line, which April, I am now going to quote from memory. And I'm hoping that dyslexia doesn't kick in and I screw it up and get the last part first and the first part last. But here we go. Shut up, lawyer up. The advice she gives every client who comes to her door. Did I get it correct, April? Absolutely. I just posted on Facebook the other day that last year on Christmas Eve, I was in a police station because someone did not follow my advice. <laughs> I was there to quickly help them shut up and lawyer up. So absolutely shut up, lawyer up. You'll save yourself a lot of money and a lot of headache. And, and by the way, every 
rich capitalist that I was talking about, they know that. You think if the cops arrest Elon Musk for drunk driving, he's going to go, well, you're a, let me just tell you how it happened. Hell no, he's calling April prayer. <laughs> he's going to say, yeah, I just had a couple drinks. No, he's not going to say a word. He's going to call his lawyer the minute he sees the flash of lights. Yes, he, he is not going to talk to his lawyer. That's for sure. Donald Trump still hasn't talked to the congressional investigators. He's shut up his lawyer all the time. He'll only talk on Twitter where it can't be held against him in a court of law, right? Is that for real, April? Like if it can, can actually, I mean, but people will pass the buck and say, oh, I don't manage my own account or I have minions do it, that sort of thing. But you'd be surprised at how often social media is used against people in court these days, especially in criminal cases, and how often text messages, I've won cases solely based on text messages. So, yeah, it, it makes a difference. People feel like they're in a vacuum when they're on social media, but that can definitely come back to bite you. All right. Um, so there's a number of topics uh, that I wanted to talk to you about. I reached out to you immediately, uh, obviously, with the Safety Act. You've been on the show twice uh, to talk about this over the year. Uh, and this was the criminal justice reform measure that passed the state house, signed by uh, Governor Pritzker uh, sometime last year. I've lost track of time. It was the big time issue that the Republicans used in the 2022 cycle to try to scare voters into voting for Darren Bailey against J.B. Pritzker and voting for uh, uh, trying to oust Kwame Raul as attorney general on down the line. They try to basically I'm going to just call it the way it is. They try to scare white people into voting for Republicans. That's what they try to do. April, you know, it as well as I do. Absolutely. And uh, it did not work. It did not work as an electoral tactic. Democrats won from top to bottom. They mopped the floor with the Republicans. One of the most pathetic, uh, one of the most pathetic performances by a political party, if you can call the Republicans a political party. Uh, but it's back. It's back as an issue. I thought uh, January 1st, uh, cash bail would be eliminated. But no, a judge in Kankakee has ruled in a lawsuit that ignorance time I didn't even know existed until I read the stories that the judge ruled in their favor. So why don't you lead us through exactly what the Safety Act did uh, in terms of uh, bond and what this judge uh, did in his ruling. Take it away, April. Absolutely. So what I always like to remind people of that the Safety Act is a huge sweeping uh, criminal justice reform act. It's not just this cash bail thing. So the act itself is 764 pages long. So there's a lot of good stuff coming down the pike, but the focus has been on the elimination of cash bond. People think that the doors of all the county jails up and down the state are going to be opened on January 1st and all of the Jeffrey Dahmers are going to be released on your community. And that's just not factual. In fact, this was about a five year long endeavor. There was testimony heard by the legislators. There were experts assembled from all over the country who testified and gave written reports. There were also, I can't even remember how many, it was over a hundred um, people who were on this subcommittee that were involved in looking at all these issues. And they included appellate justices and they included prosecutors and they included um, police officers all over the state and sheriff's departments. So for all the sheriffs and prosecutors to come forward now and act like they were blindsided, sided, they are all simply lying because they all had a seat at the table. In fact, there was only one defense attorney involved at all. And so if no voices were heard, then it was the voice of the defense bar that got actually shut out, not everybody else. But that's neither here nor there. So the Safety Act was passed 
Um, the end of cash bail simply means that if it was a minor offense, if it was a misdemeanor, rather than being hauled before a judge and sit in jail until you possibly could not bond out because you were poor, instead you would get a ticket, you would be told when to come to court, and that would be the end of it for people who had misdemeanor offenses, which would work because most people generally come to court. So as surprising as it sounds, it's kind of an honor system. People generally come to court no matter how much, how high or low their bond is. The issue with the Safety Act, this portion of it, the Pretrial Fairness Act, was what would happen to violent offenders. So are the murderers all gonna be released on I-bonds, meaning they just release on their own signature? They would lay out who the victims were, they would lay out if, if weapons were used, what the crime was, and then on the flip side, the judge would get to hear about you know, their background, where they live, what they contribute to the community, et cetera. And the judge would make an assessment based on whether this person was a threat to the community or if the person was a flight risk. And then the judge would have the option of holding them until trial with no bond, meaning not no bond, meaning they walk out the door of the courthouse, meaning there's no amount of money they could pay to be released. So I, as a result, prosecutors and police departments up and down the state filed lawsuits, I think to the tune of 64. And those lawsuits, are, I'm sorry, it was 64 counties that were represented in those lawsuits. And those were all consolidated in front of a judge in Kankakee County. As of yesterday, that judge held that this portion of this sweeping bill that I told you is 764 pages long, so this portion is probably five or six pages long, was deemed unconstitutional. So what does that mean? Does it mean that, oh no, this legislation that was fought for for five years, that we heard all this testimony about, that legislators you know, went to bat over for all this time, is not going to go into effect? No, what it means is that most counties in the state are actually not affected. And in fact, the most populous counties are not affected at all. Meaning if you live in Cook County, if you live in Chicago, if you live in the usually the largest counties in the state, you will not be affected by this particular judge's ruling yet. Because what may happen, well, what will happen is this judge responded or ruled in a case involving these 64 counties. What will happen now is that will be appealed and it eventually will go up to the Supreme Court of the state. Whatever the Supreme Court of the state decides will not any longer just affect these 64 counties, it will affect the entire state. In the interim, however, this law is going into effect in less than a week. Meaning if your loved one gets arrested today, and they have a minor offense, they steal toothpaste from Walgreens, that's always my example, they would have to go in front of a judge and probably pay a $100 or $200 bond in order to be released. Oftentimes, poor people don't even have that amount, so they sit and sit and sit for months to have their case heard. Whereas on January 1st, if the same person steals a tube of toothpaste from Walgreens, they would simply get a ticket, they would pay no amount of money, and they would be told when to report to court. Mm -hmm. All right. So you said that the judge in Kankakee and uh, we'll have a trivia contest for all our listeners out there. Uh, the, the winner of this uh, trivia question, we'll get a, uh, April will buy them a free card. No, she won't. Uh, and uh, no, she won't. That, that Where is Kankakee in the state of Illinois, ladies and gentlemen? Ninety nine percent of our listeners have no idea where Kankakee is. <laughs> 
cake or what? <laughs> Kankakee. Oh, Lord. I just had to do that because I just love saying the word Kankakee. Um, all right. So this judge, you know, he went to law school. So he uh, he, he came up. He knows about the Constitution. All right. Uh, and he said it was unconstitutional. So what exactly in uh, the Safety Act law, which was drafted by a bunch of lawyers and reviewed by a bunch of lawyers, was who also uh, know a thing or two about the Constitution. What exactly in this Safety Act law is so unconstitutional? Uh, this is what was interesting to me. So this is fast, and I am not a constitutional nerd at all. I hated law school. All I liked was criminal law. So the fact that I even get off on this is interesting. But what that judge ruled was, is basically the legislator is stepping on the toes of the courts. They're saying that it was a, a violation of the separation of powers. And so that's what's really fascinating is saying that the issues of bond, that the issues of bail and how much somebody should pay and whether they should pay or not should be left up to that individual judge in that individual courtroom faced with that defendant. It should not be decided by the legislator. And so it's very interesting. And I heard rumblings about this maybe a month ago saying that it doesn't, that the, the bill doesn't square with what the Illinois Constitution says, because it specifically uses the word bail. So what may have to happen is there might have to be um, some type of amendment or revision to that provision of the Illinois Constitution, or simply another judge or series of a set of judges will look at this and say, no, we don't agree. Well, you know what? Where was this judge when they passed three strikes and you're out? Three strikes and you're out was a law passed all over the country which said that if the uh, defendant was his third violation, that's it. Judges' hands were tied when it came to uh, punishing him and the sentence. I'm not making this stuff up. I live in this country. I read the newspapers. And that was true. I'm not a constitutional scholar. Well, I just like this distinguished judge in Kankakee. I think his nickname is the Hang 'em High Judge. I'm not a constitutional scholar, but I do read the newspapers. And I didn't see any judge out in Kankakee ruling uh, against three strikes and you're out, which was, I'm just saying this, April, which was a requirement that the legislative branch of the government put on the judicial branch. So why is it that some, some, some requirements the legislator puts on judicial are unconstitutional and others aren't? Help me out. Help me. You, you're more of a constitutional expert than I am, so you can help me out on that one. So I think it comes down to which eyeballs see it. So that's normally a, a, a California um, notion, the whole notion of three strikes and you're out. We don't have that in Illinois, but I think it literally ends up on, it depends on which lawyers are reviewing it and drafting it, which judges are then reviewing it, which state it falls in. And, you know, because everybody can point to the Constitution and say that's not what the founding fathers had in mind, but God only knows they didn't have this whole world in front of us in mind. And so a lot of it just comes down to that particular person, that particular judge's assessment, what their understanding of the Constitution is, and that might differ from the judge sitting right next to them. So it'll be very interesting in, you know, relatively liberal state to see how this is squared away because the word bail is used in the Illinois constitution, but there's no, the, the article I was reading about, it was talking about, there's no reference to money. Yeah. And so 
normally when we think of bail or bond, we're thinking you physically pay some money, but they're saying bail could be something else. Bail could be your agreement to come to court. It could be your signature. It could be a number of other things. And so it'll be interesting to see how this gets resolved in the courts, because obviously there isn't much guidance there in the Illinois Constitution or in the U.S. Constitution. Yeah. Have you ever seen a movie, My Cousin Vinny? It's before your time, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's a long time ago. All right. Well, this judge, I think, may have been the judge in the My Cousin Vinny uh, movie. Go back and watch that. Or he may have been a judge in Smoking the Banner from back in the 70s. Uh, <laughs> I know one thing. If I ever drive through Kankakee, I'm going real slow because I don't want to get pulled over. <laughs> I'm going to have April Prayer on my speed dial. Pulled over in Kankakee with this judge. There's so much fear about the Safety Act. And there's, uh, I understand this, obviously. There's a lot of crime out there. Uh, we had your old friend and partner on the show, uh, Brendan, your former partner, legal partner, Brendan Schiller. He was on the charge. Everybody check that interview out. It was a lot of fun. We talked a lot about gambling, but at the outset, uh, he, it was like, almost like, it was like Brendan was explaining why he just walked away from his, uh, legal practice in Chicago and moved out to Vegas. He couldn't take it anymore. He couldn't take what he considered the hypocrisies, the inconsistencies, the unfairness ongoing that his whole life he had been exposed to as a criminal defense uh, lawyer in Chicago. He said, I just I, I got to keep my sanity. And he moved to Vegas, and became a gambler, which is like blew my mind, uh, April, when I thought about it. Um, uh, but the reality is that. With the crime we have in Chicago, there's always been crime in Chicago. And as I was talking about with Brendan, really get tough on criminals, throw people in jail, fill up the jails. There's still crime in Chicago. So obviously all our solutions that we've been employing haven't worked. And yet we keep trying the same thing over and over. They tried, April, one little deviation with the Safety Act on no cash bail, one little deviation. And look at the fallout. You got some judge in Kankakee going, oh, it looks to me like it's unconstitutional. And I went to law school. So help me out here. Like, why is it so hard for, I don't know, people just to try something a little different with criminal justice? Well, I think because most people are ignorant about how the system actually works. And they don't understand that all bond does is penalize poor people. So it literally means that the person who is still is charged with stealing one pencil from Walgreens may sit in jail for months, whereas a murderer who's caught red handed for hacking the heads off of his family members who has a five million dollar bond. If he can pay that five million dollar bond, guess what? He fights his case from the outside. And the guy who stole the pencil fights his case from the inside. And people who don't have any connection to the criminal justice system, one, don't know what it looks like, and two, normally don't care. And what I found is that most people don't care until their loved one is caught up in the system. Then it's, oh my God, this is outrageous, this is ridiculous, it takes so long, it's so expensive. Yeah, but you didn't care until little Johnny got arrested. Until then, you were fine with how it was and you were fine with being ignorant about how things work. So I think that's all it is. People don't know how the system works. So when they heard Safety Act, when they heard pretrial fairness, when they heard no bond, it meant all the criminals, i.e. all the black people are coming for me and I need to lock my doors and be scared and vote against this. 
Yeah, and we talked about the last time the the meme they put about about the purge. We talked about that a lot or last time you were on the show, the last couple of times. Uh, this is a question I have. It's kind of in the weeds, but I'm asking it anyway. It just popped in my mind. So follow me on this. So uh, if the, the time spent pre-trial uh, in jail because a defendant can't uh, post bond, can't afford to, or doesn't have the money, does that time, does that count uh, as time served if they are convicted and they're sentenced, does that, is that deducted from whatever sentence the judge imposes or is it just a separate entity? No, it is, it is um, subtracted from the amount of time that you ultimately get sentenced to. You get credit for every day. If it's of a nonviolent offense, you generally get credit. Um, you get credited almost double for if it's a nonviolent offense, whereas if it's a more violent offense, you would get considered less time. But yes, you get credit for the time that you're, you serve in custody, no matter whether it's in prison or if it's in the county jail. Unless of course The problem have- becomes when you have the person who is charged with the very minor crime, a misdemeanor, nonviolent offense, who sits there and then a global pandemic hits and he can't get out and he sits there and the courts are shut down and he can't get out and he sits there because his his attorney quits. And sometimes, oftentimes, you actually have the person serve more time pre-trial than they would have served had they done the max on that sentence. If the judge had maxed them out, sometimes they serve more time waiting to go to trial than they would have if they had pled guilty day one. Yeah, wow. And uh, so do you have any sense of... Uh, how this is going to play out. Uh, do you have any, um, you know, like, do you feel the Supremes will rule against the Kankakee judge? What's your sense of how this is going to play out? No, with the current makeup of the Supreme Court, I think that the Safety Act is going to um, be revived. <laughs> I think it will be saved. Um, I don't know how long that will take. And in the meantime, is the question what's going to happen? I don't. I think county is Cook County is going to just push full steam, full steam ahead, um, and wait to see what's going to happen. I mean, and not wait to see what's going to happen with the Supreme Court. And it's not so different than what I expected to happen. So I wasn't watching the lawsuits at all. But what I expected was this would go forth on January first, that this would go into effect, and that smaller counties would just ignore it and that they would continue to set bond. And that in Cook County, they would actually be the one because they're the largest county in the state, third largest in the in the country, I believe, that they would be under more scrutiny and therefore they would actually follow the law. So this isn't that different. And I, my guess is even if the Supreme Court saves the Safety Act, says that it is in fact constitutional, that you're still gonna have pushback from these small towns and they're either just going to hold people who are accused of even the, the slightest offense, hold them until their trial and not give them a bond, but they're gonna find creative ways to give a middle finger to the system. Yeah, I, uh, by the way, I may have said this to you before we went on the air, but I've thought about this from the get-go. Uh, I I don't know a lot of judges uh, in Cook County, but I bet, a, a, I bet there's a significant bunch of them that don't like this, and I'll, and I'll tell you why, because it, it, it's going to make them be more judicial-like, 
more like King Solomon type judge. Do you get what I'm saying? Like a King Solomon type judge. Oh, I'm going all Bible on you here. But uh, you, you have to really like, you, like you're really pressed with these like really difficult, challenging uh, decisions. And I'm not, I mean, I'm really not, it'd be tough. I know I would buckle if I were under, can you imagine me being a judge? Imagine me getting through a, like a day of law school would be hilarious. But Oh, that bar would just destroy me, April. I don't think I could deal with that bar. You could be a judge with, and still, can you flunk the bar and still be a judge? No. Uh, anyway, uh, no, you can't. Well, you can if then you pass later. You pass another time. I don't even think you have to be a lawyer to be a judge. Am I correct about that? In Illinois, you do. You oh, have you to do? be a lawyer first, yeah. Damn. Okay, anyway, there goes that career. Um but I know that uh, there, you know, when you have the the bond system, you kind of hide behind a bond. Well, you know, I'm just going to give you X amount of bond, and that'll throw you in jail, and I don't have to deal with you, and if I don't have to worry about seeing a story in the newspaper that some guy that I let go, let out, uh, committed a crime. Do you follow what I'm saying? And yes. so, uh, it, it, it this forces the judges to make decisions, and then it forces them ultimately to it makes them vulnerable you know, opens them up to potential uh, bad articles, critical articles, negative articles, denunciations. Uh, I don't think so. I think we have all of that now. I think what'll be ha what'll happen is they will all err on the side of caution. And if there's any allegation of violence, that person will be held indefinitely until trial. I think that it'll be very cut and dry. And those who are accused of a minor offense, maybe even a small amount of drugs or pills or even simple gun possession, they will be released. Uh, I think the, I've said this before. I think the problem is, and, I, and this was a failing of the Safety Act, I've been very vocal about this, is that those who fall in the middle it was never really spelled out what happened to them. So yes, it's clear if you are if you are charged with murder, you will be held. No question, you're gonna sit until your day in court. If you are charged with something minor, you will be released. You're charged with trespass to um, a parking lot, you're gonna be released and told when to go to court. It's the people in the middle. So meaning I'm a 16 year old kid, I rob somebody, I say I have a gun, I don't, and I get caught but it's technically an armed robbery. So am I held or am I released? Or I rob somebody and I have a knife, I snatch somebody's purse, nobody's hurt, am I held or am I released? And I think that the Safety Act as written, and I've told black, le black legislators this repeatedly, is that there was a gap there and it needed to be spelled out specifically what happened to them. Now, those who released all the propaganda, they were trying to lead Illinoisans to believe that they had spelled out, oh, if you're second degree murder, you're being released. If you're kidnapping, you're being released. And that simply wasn't factual. That was completely made up. But it is a failing of the statute is that it did not specify, hey, if you use a gun in the commission of this type of crime and someone is injured, they are bludgeoned with the, the gun. They are shot with the gun. A gun is present. Then you are held or you are released with house arrest, it wasn't spelled out. And I think that's what half of this blowback is about. Yeah, I'm sure the black legislators really loved you when you came in with that criticism. Uh, <laughs> <all right. laughs> 
right, right it was own. fine. We yeah, had yeah. a robust discussion about it when I sat on their panel. We talked about it. I don't bite uh, my phone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I bet that was a robust discussion. All right. Uh, so write your own damn legislation prayer. Um, so, by the way, did you follow the bail? I don't know. We probably did it because it's not Illinois. It's federal. But uh, FTX, the head of XTX, which is his... Uh, a cryptocurrency company uh, that went belly up. Turns out there's allegations. It's very important I say allegations. A fraud by uh, Samuel Bankman Freed, who's the head of it. Guy built a fortune and was living in the Bahamas. He was extradited. I don't know. He got out. He's not in jail waiting trial or you know what I'm saying? He got out. And then what? A, I don't know if you saw the provisions. They came out for that bond. I think it was like they said $25 million, but he didn't actually put the $25 million up. I mean, it's like it's all these stipulations like lawyers got together and negotiated this deal. And it kind of proves your point. You get what I'm saying? It actually goes back to the point I was making about the cult of capitalism, that this guy was, was, was considered a brilliant, uh, you know, potential leader of America. God. Anyway, but the point is, is that um, he's free now and he negotiated, he and his lawyers, his lawyers probably did all the work the heavy lifting, negotiated uh, a bail agreement I thought was pretty favorable to him to follow. And it, it, I don't know if you paid any attention to that, uh, but it just underscored the point. Did you pay any attention to that particular case? No, I didn't. Okay. I had a feeling I was going to. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, if you're wealthy, you're going to walk. And it doesn't matter. And meaning, meaning, I, I won't say walk. Let me correct that. If yes. you are wealthy, you're going to bond out and you're gonna be able to fight your case from the outside, meaning go to work every day, wake up in the bed with your wife or husband, be able to take your kids to school. You're gonna be able to go about your life and then you will be trusted to come to court once a month, once every six weeks. It's like poor people who have far fewer means to flee the country, to hop on a plane and go someplace where extradition doesn't happen back to the US, Poor people who are going to be working every day, they can miss two days of work, come back and have no job, no home, all of that. And that's if they can bond out. And so it ends up penalizing poor people even before, without even looking at the facts of their case. They haven't even gotten that far yet. They're sitting in county jail, losing their entire lives while somebody who is wealthy is able to, no matter how heinous the crime, is able to move about and live freely while fighting their case. I'll, I'll give you a local example that I'm sure you know about. Uh, there's an alderman in the city of Chicago named Ed Burke, who's been an alderman for the last, uh, I don't know how many, 50 years or whatever, but the last two years at least, he's been under federal indictment for allegations of uh, criminal fraud, uh, where he used his power as finance chair to shake down uh, people who had contracts, TIF deals with the city of Chicago. And that guy got to, he was, while this, after he'd been charged, uh, he's not just walking around, he's walking around City Hall voting on city issues as an alderman. So, yeah, the feds yeah. are different. The feds will let you put up property again if you have the means to do it. The feds will also say, hey, surrender your passport, you can't go anywhere. Um, because in general, the feds have been watching you for a long time. They know all your movements. They've been tapping your phone and they know where to find you if you decide that you're going to try to disappear. So it's a very different system. But again, it, it favors the wealthy.
Yes, it does. And I wonder if Ed Burke uh, has a provision in his bail that uh, allows him to travel to Kankakee. I don't know. All right. We will follow. Uh, we will move on from the Safety Act. I could talk about it forever. Uh, and why don't you tell folks about this new case you got going? I found it very fascinating. I must admit, I did not know about it uh, when you, until you told me about it briefly before we went on air. And then I did a little research, started reading up a bit, and then all of a sudden I had to go on the show. Uh, but this is kind of like a new area for you, uh, at least as far as I know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think of you as a criminal defense lawyer. Uh, and in this one, you're like a bulldog plaintiff lawyer. So talk about this. It is very different. So um, just to give a little history. So for decades, black women have been encouraged to not wear or almost forced not to wear our hair in its natural state in the workplace, um, out into the world, basically the way it grows out of our heads, generally out and up and rather to straighten it in order to straighten it and have it consistently stay straight it normally makes sense to have a permanent straightener, which is chemicals, put in our head in order to keep it straight. Because otherwise it wouldn't stay straight, you know, until water hit it, it would curl back up. Yeah. And so as of the middle of October, there was a study done by the National Health Institute. They actually followed women for 11 years. They followed 33, almost 34,000 women and found that black women who had ever had one of these hair straighteners, we call them relaxers, they're also called perms, had it had ever had a hair relaxer for at least one year. Most of us had them 20 plus years. If you had it for at least one year, you doubled your chances of getting endometrial cancer, which is a form of uterine cancer. There are also studies that predate this study that show very similar results for fibroids, endometriosis, you double or triple your chances of getting it if you've ever had a hair relaxer. And then also you've also increased your chances of getting ovarian cancer. So when the latest study came out, a number of lawsuits were filed across the country. The first one was filed here in Illinois in the Northern District of Illinois. It's a federal case. Um, and what I'm finding in just my conversations with black women is that it affects just about every other black woman. They have either fibroids, endometriosis, endometrial cancer, which is the most common of um, gynecological cancers, or ovarian cancer. And a number of the women I've talked to have more than one of these diseases. And all of them had hair relaxers. Many of the women I'm talking to started getting relaxers at the age of four and are now in their 60s. So it is, it was common practice for years. It was, I was one of my first friends to stop wearing a natural. I was one of the first people in my circle and that was 23 years ago. And there were no instructions on how to care for my hair. There were no real products available for my hair. It, my mother was very concerned because I had just taken the bar and she's like, is my baby going to get a job with this fuzzy hair on her head? Because nobody else has fuzzy hair on their head. So it's a real concern. Um, and so I have partnered with a law firm, um, Wallace Miller, a local firm that does these more these uh, mass tort actions. So they've done the Easter case and um, the roundup cases. So where you have a number of people all across the United States who have been injured by a major company, and now they're coming back and finding out that these companies knew all along exactly what they were doing. 
Have you gotten to that uh, portion of your investigation where you've discovered what the company knew and when did they know it? No, this is very early. So the study came out in October. I think it was October 17th and the lawsuit started getting filed two weeks later. So they're still in the phase that we call discovery, where we're literally doing just that, discovering materials that the other side had, discovering documents. So the first step was after the first nine lawsuits got filed, they got consolidated in front of one judge here in Illinois. And then as more lawsuits pop up across the United States, they will all eventually be consolidated in one place in front of one judge, kind of like what we just saw with the Kankakee case. And we suspect that'll either happen in New York or in Illinois. And so this is just the very beginning. And so what we're doing now is getting the word out to any woman who ever had a hair relaxer, had a had a perm as their I never even heard the word hair relaxer until I was in my 20s. So we call them perms. Yeah. So if you had a perm in your head and then later you got sick, then we are asking those women to come forward because you may be able to be a part of this mass tort action. These are individual personal injury lawsuits being filed against the big boys in hair care like L'Oreal, Revlon, et cetera. Wow. Uh, is there a a contact, some contact info people should have if they hear this interview and they uh, they go, oh my God, that I that applies to me. Is there something they should know? Absolutely. They should go to hairrelaxerharm.com. Again, hairrelaxerharm.com. And when you go there, there's a form, yes, for you to fill out to see if you qualify, but also there's a link to all of these different studies to show you what the odds are of getting ovarian cancer or getting uterine cancer or getting endometriosis or getting fibroids, what the actual studies show that you can be, so that you can make educated decisions moving forward. Because somebody sent me a video last week of a two-year-old getting a relaxer in her head, which is, so if you don't know, those are chemicals, creamy chemicals that are being placed on your head. They sit on your head about 15 minutes. They are raked through in order to straighten and loosen your hair and then they're washed out with a neutralizing um, liquid. And so generally people wait until girls are 11 or 12. I got mine at 11. So to see a two-year-old baby having this placed on her head, people were outraged on the post. They were like, this child abuse, why are you doing that? But the reason people do it normally is they have multiple kids and our, our hair takes a lot of time to do. So mom doesn't have time to do her hair and do two other heads before going to work. So oftentimes kids as young as three or four would end up having relaxers just to make, make it more manageable for the mother to be able to do everybody, to groom everybody and get out, of, get out of the door. And like I said, for adult women, it was just assumed you had to have straight hair in order to get a job, keep a job and be promoted at that job. Yeah. And then I'll add this last layer. So there's something called the Crown Act, which was shot down less than two weeks ago, the Crown Act was federal legislation which told employers, hey, you can no longer fire a Black person because they walk into your job and they have dreadlocks, they have braids, they have a natural hairstyle, they're wearing their hair the way it naturally grows out of their head, they are now protected. Hey, that, pa that did not pass. So in 32 states, you are totally unprotected as a black person if you walk in and you have a natural hairstyle, you're wearing your hair in this natural state. So what does that do? It encourages people even more 
to straighten their hair and continue to use these cancer-causing chemicals that harm their bodies and make their hormones go completely haywire. Yeah, no, I don't listen. I uh, I don't know if I ever told you this, April. My wife has been in the hair business uh, since the seventies. Okay, oh, so okay. I'm. I, I mean. We're completely two different animals. We've been together for 40 odd years. I love her dearly, but she's really stylish and kept together. And you can see uh, I am not. Uh, <laughs> if she ever feels I have to do something that really warrants me getting it together, she will literally lay out the clothes that I will wear. <laughs> I am not to deviate in any way. Because <laughs> I've known to deviate in weird ways. It's just unbelievable. So I've learned through the years how am I, I don't put this, I got to put this just right. Uh, that when it comes to fat, the hair is very important. I'll just put it that way. The hair is very important and I am not judging anybody by what they do with their hair. Okay. It's very important to people for a whole bunch of reasons. Yes. Uh, and just my limited knowledge of black women in hair, I realize you could double that. Okay. And it's really important. So if you're selling a product that's really important to people that they feel is necessary for them to have to go out in the world, okay, and just deal with the world, which could be a pretty rough world to deal with, uh, and then it turns that stuff's unsafe to you, I'm sorry. Someone's got to be held accountable for that, in my humble opinion. Either change the whole attitude of the world so it's not hostile to uh, black woman's hair natural hair or put a product out that's safe put the product out that's safe anyway even if you don't change the attitude but that's my general uh reaction to this your thoughts i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be very fascinating to watch because not only were they targeting black women they were targeting black children and i um i did a training recently for the firm that i'm partnering with and one of the videos I showed, it came out when I was like a sophomore in college. But I promise if you play it for any black woman in my age group, we all know the lyrics. It's just for me. It's just for me. And so it has these little girls, like probably eight and nine, black girls jumping around, flipping their straightened hair, talking about this product is just for me, made for mommies, for their daughters. I want my hair silky and free. And so you're indoctrinating kids with this belief as they're watching their Saturday morning cartoons. Well, mommy, my hair doesn't look like hers. I need just for me. And then you have it in every Walgreens, in every CVS, in every store, in every Target, in every Walmart. The kids can walk in and say, hey, mommy, there it is. I saw it on the commercial. Get it. I need my hair silky and free because you're telling kids right then that the hair on their head is wrong. And so to know, which I believe these companies knew, for these companies to know that not only are these products harmful, but these products specifically target the reproductive organs of women, you can only imagine what that would do to a child yeah. who's using the same product. Wow. That's frightening stuff. Uh, by the way, there is just in general, uh, you, you I wrote this down when you when you first started to help people reacting. There's some negative reaction. Uh, I talked about this yesterday. It's one of my favorite topics. Uh, there's just a general reaction that people have. Follow me on this. When somebody complains, okay, <laughs> just like a general reaction. I, I, <laughs> it's one of my favorite topics. You know, like I got COVID. Okay, give you an example. I got COVID. So I told my dear friend Monroe, I got COVID. He goes, "Well, you're wearing a mask." 
What, mm-hmm. we, are you blaming a victim here? <laughs> Automatic first reaction. And I think I think were you wearing a mask was his first reaction. Okay, so I, I think what's going on psychologically, follow me in this one, April, is that he's saying there's only so much compassion I have for anybody in the world, and I don't want to just have to be uh, being compassionate for people. I get tired of that just endlessly all day. So I'm going to ask you, were you wearing a mask? And if the answer is no, then I don't have to be compassionate for you. I have a tough luck. You should have worn a mask. <laughs> oh, but I think it's a natural. I, I absolutely believe. So like when, when like someone here, you could see this like in tweets, like if you post something on a Facebook page or, you know, your Instagram or what have you, uh, that says, uh, you know, this is a terrible story where these um, potential, this, this cancer causing agents is potentially, uh, allegedly, are putting put are putting products that kids put in their hair, okay, and then so people go, why'd you put it in your hair in the first place? Yes, yes. So actually, when I did the presentation, so I did a presentation and I called it, "Why would you put poison in your hair?" And then I talked about all the the I talked about the history, I talked about the politics, but one thing that that jumps out is remember I told you most children, most of these women I'm talking to got this put in their heads as children. So you can't exactly say a four-year-old had a say in the matter, that a six-year-old had a choice about what mommy was doing to their hair, that even an 11-year-old could say, mom, no, I don't want that. So it's just very unrealistic, aside from the the, the social pressure, the societal pressures about having straight hair, this became cultural, this became traditional, but at the at the very least, it became something that was decided for you before you could decide. So for people to say, oh, I'm blaming the victim, or you should have known that it was cancer, so you should have known it was dangerous, or it doesn't smell good, or it tingled if you left it in your hair too long, or it could burn your scalp, to say that somebody should know that, but to let the manufacturer completely off the hook and say that this was never placed on the packaging, that it doesn't say carcinogen anywhere on the packaging, that it doesn't say that it is cancer causing, that it doesn't say that this can tear up your reproductive system. Um, And to market it to children (laughs) and then blame the child because her mother put it in her head is a little bit ridiculous. And I don't know, I have not talked to one woman yet who for the first time got a relaxer as an adult. Everybody I'm talking to, their mother, their aunt, their grandmother put it in their hair when they were still a child. Wow, that's pretty deep. It goes deep. Uh, so I know you'll be busy uh, in the year 2023. Uh, and I also know in the year 2023, uh, I'm going to be bugging you to make a little time to return to my humble little podcast. I, I enjoy talking to you so much. Uh, even though each, folks, I'm going to open up the door here a little bit and show you what a pre-show uh production meeting between April and myself is have you heard of this? No. Have you heard of that? No. Okay. I won't ask you that. I won't ask you. Who's that this, person? No, I have no idea. This woman is in a lane, ladies and gentlemen, and she stays to that lane. I'm like, if you heard it, nope, never heard it. Don't ask me about it. Okay. Okay. Don't ask uh, me about pop culture because then you're really getting no. I don't know that person. I don't know that person. I don't know. Like with the whole the whole shooting between Megan and Tori that was all in the news. I'm like, I don't even know who Tori is. Didn't know what he looked like. Obviously, I know Megan. I didn't know the girl who was with her. And I got put on the spot on WGCI. I'm like, I don't know these people. Wow. I got to even, I can trump that with an even more embarrassing revelation. And why not? Let it all hang out. It's the end of 2022. We're going to 2023. Make fun of me. Laugh at me. Millennials, I don't care. 
So I see the story. I may, I must confess. I knew I'd heard of Morgan the Stallion, but <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I didn't know it was a the. I thought it was a the. So I kept calling the. And you know, okay. And then someone like, dad, oh, I just revealed who was it said it to me. It's the, not the. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. Um, but I had never heard of the gentleman who uh, allegedly, I know, I don't think it's beyond allegations anymore. Okay. It was in a court of laws. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, okay. So I never heard of him. So I'm reading the story. This is the embarrassing revelation, but you know what? We're just open and honest in the Ben Jarosky show, so I'm going to say it. I saw, yeah, this guy, uh, I, mean, I was asking some millennials, you ever heard of this guy, uh, his first name, Tori, is that his first name? Yeah, Tori. Tori uh, Lenez. And they're like, dead. Oh, I can tell you now who the kid, it's Lanes, not Lenez. I'm like, well, he spells it L-A-N-E-Z. Wouldn't you think that's Lana? No. Anyway, that's really I think bad. his real name is way cooler. Like his real first name is like Daystar. I'm like, that's a, that's a that's a stage name right there. Use that. Why in the world would you go for Tori? But I had never heard of Tori. Didn't know he was dating Megan. Only knew Megan because she's everywhere. She's on the cover of Forbes. But yeah, so I didn't know a thing about it. So I'm just as bad with a lot of these politicians. Sorry. So, don't know yeah, no, I know. I know. <laughs> we all, we have all ha hey, the pun. We all have our lanes spelled with an S, not a Z. And uh, most of us stick to them. I have a lot of lanes and I'm traveling. I, I actually followed once I, f I got into the trial itself, not the music. Yeah. I've I still have not really heard either of their music. Um, and so I was really into the trial itself, and I won't, we won't we won't go down that lane uh, today and talk about that trial. But I was into that trial for a while. I actually thought of talking about it on the show, uh, and uh, never did. But anyway, I know it's going to be a productive year for you. So thank you very much for making time for me again. I look forward to talking to you uh, in 2023. All right, April. Thank you so much for having me on. Have a great new year. We'll do. That's the great uh, attorney, April Prairie member. Shut up, lawyer up. I got her phone number in my phone. If I'm pulled over in Kankakee, you know I'm calling April Prayer. Thank you very much, April. And also want to thank uh, producer Chris sitting in for Dr. D. Uh, great job you did. Producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody.